Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station. Good morning and welcome to Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry on OCRFM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast. We are also streaming live at all the W's ocrfm.org.au. I would like to acknowledge the Wadawurrung people who are the traditional owners of the land we're recording on today and pay my respects to their elders, both past and present. And how are you this morning, Ed? Um, very well, thank you. We're warming been, up a little bit. We are. It's been busy. Been very busy. Now, we're still talking about carers this week. Yeah. And you'll never guess who's back with us about caring, do you? You'd never guess Naomi no. Latiri would be back with us, would you? <laughs> Hi, Naomi. Thanks for joining us again. We'll let you know. We'll let the people know that you are from Anamkara House in Colac, Naomi. You're the community liaison nurse there. You're a carer extraordinaire. You, you, your young'un's just gone back to school. We're, we're caring. Eddie cares for me. We're caring for an 11-year-old at the moment. And via Zoom, you guys can see that Eddie's also caring for the dog we're caring for. <laughs> So there's a lot of caring going on at the moment. And the reason we've got you is because it is National Carers Week, which runs from the 11th to the 17th. So we're sort of right in the middle of it now. But anyway, how are you, Naomi? I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me again and, and talking again about this really important topic of carers and National Carers Week. It's such an important uh subject to discuss and you know there's such a vast array of carers in our community in many different ways isn't there so it's wonderful to have another chat about this really important topic. Well I think that's one of the reasons why I introduced it as it is because as you say it's quite varied and here we are we epitomize it at the moment don't we? Certainly do yeah and uh you know, a lot of the carers that we come across are looking after people of all different ages and in varying degrees um, at home or um, going in and out of homes, um, not necessarily full-time carers. They might be part-time carers, but there's a, there's a quite a lot um, of different ways that people care for each other. Could be your neighbour, could be your, your sibling, could be your mother, father, child, such a variety of carers out there. And to help? With our conversation, you've organised a, a lady from Barwon Health Carers Support to come and have a yarn with us too. So we've also yes. been via Zoom. Who have we got? We've got Jenny Polly. Hello, Jenny. Yeah, I you? thought um, Jenny would be a wonderful person to have along today. Uh, we have a relationship with the Bowen Health Carers Support um, in relation to the Making Memories group who come out to Anamkara uh, three times a year. Um, so I reached out to Jenny thinking she might like to join in on this important conversation. So good day, Jenny. Hello, good morning, everybody. Thank you very much for inviting me along, Naomi, and for having me on this, this morning. Um, so yes, Barwon Healthcare is support. We are in the business of supporting unpaid family carers. Um, and as you say, caring roles can be all sorts of things. It can be parents caring for a child with a disability. It can be someone caring for a loved one with mental health issues or with chronic health issues that, you know, affect their ability to look after themselves at home. It can be a daughter caring for a mother with dementia. It can be, um, it covers all ages all socioeconomic groups, uh, everything. And just um, as, a, as a point of fact for Bowen Health Care Support at the moment, our youngest carer is about nine years old and our oldest carer is about 95. So it really does cover a huge range um, right across the spectrum. I've got to ask you there, a nine-year-old being a carer is extraordinary, is it, Jenny? Look, we actually, there's a lot of young carers out there. Um, we call young carers someone who's under 25, who is in a caring role, a significant caring role, usually for a parent um, that they're living with. So, look, there might be other family members as well, but it could be that dad's at work a lot of the time. So, mum is home. She may have quite a physical 
disability. It could be something like MS, for example's sake. And the young carer is doing a lot around the home. You know, it might be it might be the the housework, or it might be looking after the other kids a lot of the time, or helping out with dinner and that sort of thing. So we actually have quite a number of young carers in the region, probably in the Barwon region itself, probably um, on our books, we've got over 40 young carers. So that's that under 25 age group. And the main goal for us with the young carers is to let them have fun, let them be kids because they grow up really quickly when they're young carers. They have a lot of responsibility. They're usually responsible good kids because you know they pretty much have to be. And so we do a lot of group things with them um, to just let them get out and be children again. So my young carer worker has a lot of fun, but it, it, they, they really are a, a vulnerable group because they're trying to, you know, navigate their teenage years and school as well as looking after you know the family and as well as trying to be kids so and find their own identity as teenagers so they really are a vulnerable um, group of carers. That would have presented quite a bit of a challenge over the period of um, remote learning too I'd imagine Jenny. Well we've been lucky over the remote learning because young carers are naturally more tech savvy than probably a lot of us are. Um, they're very good with social media. So we actually set up, when they were learning at home in the first lockdown, we actually set up a weekly Zoom session with them for two hours a week. And we would go out and buy things and drop them off at everyone's houses. And then they would do things online together, like they did cooking sessions together where they made muffins and they made something else another time. You know, they painted rocks and they planted things. So each week they were doing something different, you know, just together as a group, but um, just remaining in contact and, and keeping that connectivity with each other, particularly during that homeschooling time and, mm -hmm. and the later homeschooling time we've just come out of where, you know, they're not with their friends at school, they're at home all the time. You know, that caring role is probably even a bigger burden because they're not getting out to school where they've got that break from it. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, we've, we've done a lot of stuff with the young carers this year. It has been a tough year for them. Mm -hmm. And with the older As carers, <laughs> sorry, and with the old carers, I suppose 95 is old, so the person wouldn't be annoyed at me saying that. But how did they? Well, it is. It is very it's old. Usually... How and that's that usually our older, our older carers are usually looking after a spouse. You know, it's usually, and often it's a co-caring type of role. It's probably they're both looking after each other to a degree, like. Um, you know, like she might have some, she might have dementia, but she might be quite physically able still. Whereas the carer might um, have the mental capacity, but he might have quite a lot of arthritis or heart disease or, you know, a combination of various things. And so she might support him physically and he supports her, you know, prompts her to do things and supports her through that dementia. So often we do find, um, you know, with older couples, it is a real co-caring relationship that they're in. I'm going to put Edwina on the on the hammer here because she's part carer for me in that um, I have disability myself through through arthritic problems and whatever else. Yep. Um, just a simple thing like going for a walk. How does so it, it makes it a little bit different for you too, doesn't it, Ed? It does make it different for me. You have to slow down. You have to be mindful of Greg's stick. Uh, mindful when you're crossing uh, crossing sides with Greg to go behind and not in front. There's lots of things, yep. And so, it comes automatically to me because my mother, I cared for my mother and she had a stick and a wheelie walker. My dad had a stick and a wheelie walker. So, you know, it just comes naturally. <laughs> but, yeah, if you're doing the first-time thing, you have to learn all these things but how wonderful for those young people being on Zoom together, 40 young people. And way good you for doing that. It's wonderful. <laughs> My young carer worker is, is 
a very special person. So she and the young and the young and the kids get along so well together. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but I'd just like to say um, we also Barwon Healthcare support. We cover both the Barwon region and also the southwest region. So um, we do go right up to the South Australian border. And I do have a team in Warrnambool um, that are based there that support up, sort of after the Colac and Apollo Bay sort of areas. It, we go on to, into the Warrnambool team and they support down to the South Australian border. So I just wanted to make sure that that was put in. Yeah, well, that's why we're here because we're from Colac or we're, we're recording to go to Colac on OCRFM 98.3. That uh, It's quite important to be mentioned that, Jenny. The, the whole area is, is covered. So where do, where do people around Colac go to get hold of you? And who are the people so, to get hold of you? Yep. So for the Colac Otway Shire, um, they, we do support them from the Geelong office, from Newcomb. Um, we have a lot, we've had a lot to do with Colac over the years. One of my workers who's retired now but um Cynthia used to go up there and had a lot to do with Dementia Australia and with Adam Cara with a memory group that she that they used to co-facilitate up that way and that that's run for a long time now and it's you know we've made some really great networks up that way because of that group and hopefully next year we'll be able to get that group back up and running um, once restrictions of dropped off. We also have a support group up in Colac that had just begun about December last year. So unfortunately, we'd only really just got it off the ground when COVID hit and we've had to put it on hold for now. Um, so that's unfortunate. But Linda, one of my workers down here, is um, facilitating that group when it is up and running. Uh, we also do a lot of activities in Colac. We do a lot of, we support um, COPAC quite a lot and support the cinema up there and do a lot of movie days and things for carers um, and different activities up that way, as well as, you know, carers can certainly contact us and we can do individual support. We're actually part of the Carer Gateway as well, which is a national, which is probably people have, some people have heard about the Carer Gateway, others haven't. It is a fairly new um, word that's sort of getting around. The Carer Gateway is the new national model um, that, the, that the Australian government brought in from April this year. Before that, it used to be, they used to have a national model, which was the Commonwealth Carer Respite and Care Link Centres. Um, they don't exist anymore, and now the Carer Gateway exists as a national carer service across Australia. So there's a 1800 number that um, carers can contact that on. In Victoria, we have a consortium of organisations that support carers across Victoria under the Carer Gateway. There's Barwon Health, um, Ballarat Health, Bendigo Health, Mary Health. Alfred Health, Uniting, Victaz, and Family Care are the organisations that support carers under the Carer Gateway here in Victoria. And so anyone can ring that goes to the 1800 number, goes to a central number in Melbourne to our intake team. They have a chat with the carer and then they send it out to the relevant outlet, so the relevant region. Um, and so it comes back to us and then we can support the carer with whatever their needs are. What are some of the needs that a carer has and some of the issues carers, support? Carers can have all sorts of issues. Um, so we, we, do a, we try to do a really good assessment with a carer, um, a really thorough assessment to see what their individual needs are, where their you know, priorities are, where things are, where they're struggling, um, you know, with their caring role, where things are going well. We do try to, to make that as individual as possible so that we can support them in the best way possible. Under the Carer Gateway, we can support them with a number of things. Um, we certainly can support them with counselling. 
we can do referrals to, to local counsellors for carers to support them in their caring role. We can do a lot of education with them, um, either one-on-one -on -one sort of coaching type of um, sessions or group education with people, which we do a lot of. We can also do um, in-person peer support. So we do run a, a range of support groups and that's, that's so that peers, you know, carers can get to know other carers, connect with other carers. Some might be early in their caring journey and really be struggling. Others might be years into their caring journey and, you know, they've learned a lot along the way. So it's good for them to be able to talk to each other, to learn from each other, to, you know, it's, a, it's about building relationships building informal supports for, the, for people so that they, you know, they, they can talk to someone who understands where they're at because often family don't understand. Um, you know, they might come in and see mum for a couple of hours, uh, you know, every couple of weeks or whatever, and they think mum's doing fine. Whereas if they're with her 24 hours a day or, you know, every day they're going in and doing stuff, that's when they know that she's not okay and, that's when they're getting they're getting stressed. So family can be really helpful, but they can also be a bit of a barrier for some carers. Um, and so having other carers that they can um, that can they can support and that can support them is a really valuable um, is a really valuable way that carers can be more connected with each other. As humans, we're always yeah. sorry. Go on. Sorry. Also, we can we can support carers financially, um, like with respite. We can support them with respite in a residential facility if they're looking after someone who's elderly. We can support them with in-home or out-of-home respite for the person they care for. Um, and there's lots of practical supports just for the carer themselves, depending on what their needs are. As humans, we... Uh sometimes reluctant to put our hands up for support so we, we are need, we, we are need, we need to encourage people that if they do if they are carers to put their hand up when they do need the support don't we jenny absolutely and that's part of what carers week is about is about raising that awareness of carers in the community because for a lot of people they don't they don't even identify as carers you know for them they're a husband they're a wife, they're a mother, they're a daughter, you know, and they, that's their duty as such, you know, their family. So that's what they're doing. It's, it's what people do. <laughs> but when they're doing more than you would expect, you know, a daughter or a, a husband or a wife to do, when they really are helping someone to stay living in the community and that person possibly wouldn't be able to keep living independently in the community without that support, that's when they are carers. Um, and that's when, and carers are notorious for not putting their hands up because they're so busy looking after the people that they're caring for. They often put themselves last. You know, they often forget their own health needs or they put off that, that knee surgery or they put off that going to the GP or whatever it might be because they're too busy looking after the person they care for or the people they care for, which is often the case. Um, so we, a lot of our, um, a lot of what we do and particularly under the Carer Gateway, the government is really wanting us to do is to really raise community awareness about carers, about carers that might be out there that don't realise that there are supports available for them, um, not just for the person they care for, that, you know, don't really identify as a carer as such, but are struggling and need help. So very much one of the, the big things that we do is to try to, to really outreach into the community. Um, and so that's why you know, this program this morning is is so valuable as far as Carers Week goes because it's a way of getting that um, out there, that information that there are supports available for carers. And the, the, the beauty of carer services is that it is for them. It's not about the person they care for. Yes, we might we might do things for the person they care for as part of what we do for the carer, but our service is purely and simply about supporting the carer 
not about supporting the people they care for. So it's about helping the carer to get through, to build their capacity, to, you know, help them through their struggles, to, to just walk that journey with them and do what we can in our capacity to, um, to support them in any way that we can. Um, we have funding, as I said, through the uh, Australian government, and we're also funded by the Victorian government um, through their support for carers program. So, you know, both state and federal governments do realise how important a job carers do. I think this morning, the figure that I heard was they save the government $78 billion a year in services, basically, because if, if we didn't have unpaid family carers supporting people in the community, that's the amount of money the government would be having to spend. Um, and there's well over 2.7 million carers that are identified in Australia. And that's just the ones that have identified as carers. So you can imagine that there's a lot more under that that don't actually identify themselves as a carer per se. Does this encompass foster caring as well, Jenny? It does. It actually does in, in, um, encompass foster caring. It, obviously, the person that's being cared for has to have a disability or an ongoing illness or condition. So, you know, if, if someone's got a broken leg or they've got something that they're expected to recover from, then they're not eligible for our service. But if they're looking after someone for, you know, over six months time, over, over more than six months, then the person's likely to have an ongoing illness or condition, um, then certainly they're eligible as a carer. And that's whether they're fostering a child who might have autism or who might have ADHD or who might have, you know, multiple mental health issues because of the circumstances they've come from, um, you know, like separation anxiety and, and that sort of thing, we can certainly support foster parents in that role. So not, not so much the emergency foster care where they come in and out of the home quickly, but when you're in that sort of that ongoing foster care role, absolutely. That's so important, isn't it? You know, the role of carer how valuable these people are how valuable and how much money they do save our community and the aspects that um, you work with naomi we might have to get into that as well because uh, the mm -hmm. the carers mm -hmm. the carer organizations are an important aspect too and they need to have their own support mechanisms too i'd understand here on Community Connect, where today we're talking with Naomi Latiri, who's oh, she's not been doing too much about it because Jenny Polly from Barland <laughs> Health Carers Support is really doing well. And uh, we're learning heaps about existence as carers, and Edwin is one of them. And uh, we will be back with you here on OCR FM 98.3 in Colac and 88.7 FM along the coast, where we're streaming live at all the W's, ocrfm.org.au. Welcome back, Jenny and Naomi. Lots to talk about. With you guys, the just general carer support. Carers need more support than they sometimes think. And there are a lot of things that are changing now with COVID where a lot of stuff has gone high tech and people don't know how to use it or whatever. How's things going in both your arenas? I just open it up to whoever wants to talk first. Uh, yeah, I think from our perspective, um, we've had a lot of discussion around this with our um, pe people that are caring and engaged with Anamkara. And uh, we have generally found that most people that aren't uh, digital digitally savvy with the internet and devices and things like that have preferred that they don't start. They just haven't either got the equipment and... Um, they uh, don't want to get the equipment or they just rather wait until COVID-19 has um, minimised and perhaps there's a uh, not so great a risk and that small groups can reoccur. Uh, they prefer generally, as we all do, I think, really prefer and enjoy the company of each other face-to-face. Uh, a lot of the carers I know enjoy a chat. Um, we I ring quite a few of them regularly. We have a lot of um, conversation over the phone. 
uh, and so do the staff at Anamkara. So all the people that would regularly come to our respite, we call as well once a week. So we try and keep in touch that way. And I think we've been able to identify and support a lot of issues for carers over the phone. Um, it's still a really well worth um, well worth doing and, and still can be just as useful, I think, as a face-to-face -face or a Zoom or uh, whatever else it might be in terms of uh, a digital platform. But um, for those that have ongoing health problems, uh, Zoom and telehealth have also been um, really wonderful resources because people can connect with their uh, medical care and allied health care and continue to have some of that in treatment that supports um, the carer indirectly because the person receiving care is um, perhaps being able to have a higher state of well-being, symptoms are more well-controlled and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it, digital stuff has had a varying um, amount of use. It's probably not a huge amount of use with most of the carers that we come across. Um, we have guests that stay with us that are as in their 20s and up, generally speaking. We can care for people of any age, but um, most of our carers tend to be over 50. Yeah, with that though, Naomi, with the COVID being uh, in everyone's front of mind at the moment, carers, are they reluctant to go and seek respite or is your area uh, multifunctional because you look after people palliative and aged care as well as carers needing respite yes so yeah know. yes so initially we found that there was um some of our respite bookings were being cancelled because there was a fear of uh, exposure to COVID-19 uh since COVID-19 has been an issue uh Australia-wide but um in the Colac region what there were, was quite affected uh, uh by COVID-19 um there was uh, initially of this reluctance, but then it became uh, more, people become more aware that Anamkara was staying open, uh, that we were available for carers if they needed it. Our sort of layout is quite unique in that once people are, are screened, then they can utilize their own space and have their own room, home, own bathroom. Uh, we weren't allowing people to receive visitors, but they were able to connect with uh, a different environment and the staff at Anamkara. So uh, before people came to Anamkara and still coming to Anamkara, we do a pre-screen. Then um, we check people again when they come before they enter the building. And then uh, uh, we make sure that people are safe, uh, that there's no exposure to COVID-19 COVID or have an active case of COVID-19 or able to thereby receive respite with us. So uh, I think we've built the reputation for having a very safe um, screening process, uh, that people are aware that we're still offering respite and we still have had a really busy time with people using our service for end of life care. Uh, since March, we've had um, 12 guests stay with us for end of life care. Uh, but also for respite, we've been able to support a lot of people over that time uh, with respite care as well, which has been good. Is, uh, Jenny, is that pretty much the same right across the board, the whole southwest area and the area that you cover with Bowen? Look, I think it, it's quite similar, I think, um, to what Naomi said. Early in the COVID space back in March, um, when things, when we first went into lockdown across Victoria, I think carers really went into their shells, so to speak. You know, they locked up, shut the blinds and pulled in to look after themselves, to look after the people they care for. You know, we we had a lot of cancellation of respite, whether it be in the home or to take a person out of the home for a while or to go into some sort of residential respite. We saw a big drop right across the space in respite. And I think they just bunkered down and locked up until it was all over. However, with second lockdown, I think I think it's it people have found how have realized how difficult that first stage was 
and how hard it is when you are looking after somebody or some bodies for, you know, basically 24 hours a day, how much harder that is when they can't get out or when you can't get out or when you don't get any sort of break. And so we found in this second lockdown, we you know, people were asking for respite again. People were wanting to put their loved one into residential care or to have in-home respite or to have the person, you know, go out for a drive with a worker so that the carer could get a break. We just found that real shift away from locking up and, and you know, doing nothing because I think people really um, felt that first lockdown very hard and have realised that they really did need that support that they were missing out on by, you know, locking themselves up um, in that way. And it was absolutely understandable. I mean, you know, if you've got to, if you're caring for someone who's quite vulnerable physically, of course, you don't want to be letting strangers into your house, you know, or, or to be, and with all the stuff that happened with residential care in Melbourne, you know, of course, you don't want to put your loved one into any sort of care themselves. However, I think because regional Victoria has been so um, successful in, you know, in, in dropping the COVID cases right down and not having it in the facilities and that sort of thing, I think that's given people, you know, that sense of security and sense of it's okay, we'll do it. So they've, they've been able to do it. Yeah, I think that's definitely the, the case, um, our experience as well. Um, and I think, you know, that the, the risk of carer burnout has just been so much higher with this second round. People yeah. have had trouble accessing services because they're... Um, Sometimes the person, so there might be someone who's ill within that, uh, the carer that might be normally going in to assist the carer, might be um, having some symptoms of a cold, which take away that service for them, whether it be going to get the groceries or something along that line. So then it turns out that they're relying on family to do some of those things. And that's been an added layer of stress. Um, so when second time around, people were much more willing to... Uh, reach out and say, hang on, I really do need a break. Um, this is pretty hard. I don't think I can do this again. Um, so let's let's take the opportunity and have a little bit of a break. With the carers, when they do have a, a break, do you organ who organises the carers' replacement? Because, or, and is there another problem I just thought of? Do some carers not have a break because they don't think anyone else can, can, can care for their person as well as I can? Yeah, sometimes I think that people are reluctant to reach out for help, um, maybe because they also worry about the person that they're caring for in terms of would they cope with the anxiety associated with being separated. Um, and from that perspective, we really try and be flexible. So we've had situations where the carer and the caree both come and stay with us because then um, they're able to both uh, have a little break but feel comfortable with the transition of that person receiving care into our care. So I think that, that that's been a really useful thing to offer to people and um, has helped a lot of people who may not otherwise have reached out for respite care. The other thing we do do is uh, we sometimes have carers as, as Jenny was saying earlier, people that put off operations, well, sometimes those operations just can't be put off. So sometimes we'll have the carer and the caree staying with us so the caree can recover from a procedure or an operation um, and then be able to successfully return to the caring role um, with knowing that they have fully recovered from their procedure rather than trying to um, perhaps have that surgery, be it minor or more significant, and then step straight back into that caring role without really recovering from your own health problems. Okay, so who does a, do, who does a recaring when the carer goes into respite? Who organises that if it's still required? Do you do that, Jenny? That's certainly something we can do, absolutely. 
a lot of our role is for if carers do have to go into, say, hospital or they're not well themselves. You know, sometimes family are fantastic and there's lots of family around and a person's well supported and the family will pick it up. But often there's not that family available for whatever reasons. Um, and so a lot of what we do is to organise respite, to organise services for that person, whether it be in the home or whether they do need to go into, um, into some sort of facility for support while that carer is out of action, basically. Um, and so, you know, we and our service is a 24-hour service. Um, the 1800 number that people can ring is a 24-hour number. So if something was to happen unexpectedly on the weekend or, you know, middle of the night and the carer themselves had to go to hospital or take a child to hospital or whatever, um, then they can contact us or often we have emergency departments contact us or the AMBOs contact us. And we can, nine times out of 10, we can organise a worker to go into that home situation to care for the person while the while the carer has you know gone into hospital or whatever so and then we will look at the situation the next day and we'll work from there as to what needs to happen now so yes we definitely that that is a huge part of what we do so you can do the emergency bookings now you you also organize yep. the respite bookings for a number of other um, places other than Anamkara or do you organize them for Anamkara we don't organise, um, we don't actually hold bookings ourselves anymore, but we certainly, we have a, facilities um, across the region let us know usually if they've got vacancies, beds available. So we have a very current list of what is what, where there are vacancies, where there are specials on. Sometimes there's, you know, there's two weeks for the price of one or, or two free weeks going or things like that. So we're usually on top of that sort of thing. So we can, usually we can, um, on the carer's behalf, if they're happy for us to do it, we can certainly ring around facilities and find respite for them. If they're in a, particularly if they're stressed, you know, if they're in a sort of um, a, quite a crisis situation where things are, are really falling apart for them, and they're just not up to making a phone call themselves, that's certainly out part of our job. We'll do the, do the ringing around and organising it for them. And we find ourselves um, uh, occasionally being approached for that emergency respite as well. Um, and that's something that we're usually able to help with. We do our very best to help with that emergency respite because the um, limitations of some people experience with uh, accessing respite based on the ACAS or the BRACAS assessment that you may have heard, the aged care assessment process can be an obstacle sometimes to accessing that respite um, on an emergency basis. But it's good if we can uh, have that ability because it keeps those people out of uh, acute healthcare environments where they don't really need to be or in, in, in environments where they're struggling along still without um, without that level of additional support. And we don't want our carers to burn out. So, mm. you know, it's very important to put your hand up and look after yourself. Absolutely. So important. It's a difficult step, the first step, I think, for a lot of carers. Um, like for a lot of reasons that we've touched on, I think it's quite hard for people to say make that initial step and I really think we, um, part of Carers Week is encouraging those carers out there to be proactive about that. And it's, there's, there's no um, shame. There's no sense of failure out reaching out. It's just, you know, knowing that you're planning for the future, planning for your own health and well-being as well as the person that you love for. Uh, love a lot and of course if you look after yourself you're going to be so much able more able to do a really good job of that really important caring role which um, we all respect and value so much in the community the ongoing care now this 95 year old you've got on your books jenny yep they can't care forever because i mean not, how do, how is that aspect looked at because we know, and I've, we've talked in a previous conversation, Naomi, about how a lot of the, the older people worry about the person they're caring about, especially their son or daughter who may have a disability, as to what happens when they've passed. Mm. 
how do you look at a 95 year old and say, hey, look, we've got to make plans for whoever you're looking after because you're not going to be here forever? I suppose for the 95 year old who is, you know, if they're looking after a spouse, it's probably not such, it, it's not as difficult, I suppose. Um, as long as the spouse has gone through that age care, that age care assessment process um, that Naomi touched on, then at least things are in place so that if, you know, if the 95-year-old was to um, become too unwell to continue caring themselves um, or to pass away, then at least there are those provisions in place for that, that person. They've, they've had that assessment through the aged care assessment team and they can go into permanent care. And there are certainly services that help with that transition into permanent care um, from home. There's a lot of services out there that are available. For people, older people that are caring for an adult son or daughter or um, you know another adult loved one who isn't in the aged care system, we, it, they, we really encourage them right from the word go when they first come into, when we first come into contact with carers like that, for them to, to be, to get that person engaged with the NDIS, the National Disability Insurance Agency, because that is, you know, by doing those sort of things now, by getting services set up and in place for that, that adult son or daughter now, you know, it, it helps relieve that stress of what's going to happen when I die or when I can't care any longer. You know, sometimes there's family members that, um, you know, have said, yes, I'll look after the person. But it's really important to have those services where possible in place when you can so that if something unexpected happens, then it's there, it's ready, and you don't end up in that really crisis situation. That's what we try to avoid at all costs with our carers, is that crisis situation. And as Naomi you know, said, for carers, you know, they don't like to ask for help a lot of the time. They always, a lot of carers we hear so often say, there are people in much worse situations than I am help them first well we've got help available for those people too but we're still wanting to help you know all carers where possible um and to support them so they don't end up in those crisis situations where you know things are really stressful and difficult to organize at a at a really sudden time so definitely we always say carers have to be selfish they have to look after themselves first so that they can continue their caring role you know as long as they want to or as long as possible as we mentioned earlier on or i mentioned earlier on um, the caring and edwina mentioned about caring for her mother uh, which she did so for her father as well but with your mother when we were caring for her you knew mainly there's one thing you got organised was the advanced care plan, Ed. Yeah, we did um, a radio program on advanced care plan and mum used to listen. Mum stayed at home until she died and she wanted to listen to the radio when we were on radio and she said, Eddie, I want to do that. Will you take me? And that was a beautiful thing to do together for her to be able to say what she wanted right up at the end stage of her life for her to have that control. And do you also facilitate doing that or suggest to people to do age, you know, your advanced care plan? Absolutely we do. Advanced care plans are certainly important and they certainly make the carer's role easier because they know what the person wants, you know, if it's an elderly person. We also really strongly encourage people to get their power of attorney up to date so that their financial power of attorney and you know their medical um, enduring power of attorney up to date so that again if something happens and and that person can't make their own decisions um, then they've got support people already in place it's all it's all signed off on written up everyone knows what their jobs are before anything happens those sort of things are really really vital um, you know with the elderly community. 
Yeah, in fact, anyone really, anybody that's in those caring roles, I think we all should have an advanced care plan really and such an empowering thing to do for both the carer and for the person receiving care so that there's that awareness of those um, uh, wishes and preferences and values that are there to ensure that they're respected at, when they're most vulnerable. Once again, people don't like talking about the end of the death. Mm. That's a problem. So we need to come to, I think, is that just us in our culture that they're like that? Because a lot of cultures are quite open about it. I mean, it's inevitable. What do they say? Death and taxes. So we, we've got to sort of grow up a bit about it, don't we? Yeah, well, you look at other countries around the world and there's a day of the dead and there's a great celebration around that. And I think we're working really hard to improve um, in our spaces uh, this death literacy, this freedom and um, ability to talk about our wishes towards the end of life and dying and what's a normal death and how does that look and, and what should people expect when it comes to the end of life. I think we're doing, there's a lot of really great work going on around that, um, but the conversation needs to be um, much more open and people should feel more comfortable uh, talking about it generally and that's people of all ages I think you know for children and young people to be comfortable to have those discussions and not to be hush-hushed and kept away from um, people who are dying or going to funerals and things like that um, I think it's quite an important important conversation and something that we really need to continue to work on in our communities Sure is. And one other thing that I thought of earlier, culturally, a lot of families or family work is done by the older, older people looking after young and a lot of the nurturing and a lot of the caring is done within the family unit, the, the smaller family and the larger family. Is it a, an all-inclusive thing that you guys look after the carers, even though they don't realise they're carers culturally? It's just normal for some cultures that they look after the oldies and they don't realise or recognise it that they are doing so because that's the way it is. Absolutely. That's, um, you know, we sort of, that is, is part of raising awareness in general, um, you know, in the community, amongst GPs, amongst um, other healthcare professionals, schools, you know, because... For some cultures, it is. It's what you do. But um, everyone needs help sometimes. And it's always good just to know that there are services and supports available for people if they do need help at some point. Um, you know, they may never need help. And that's fantastic if, they can, if they've got this, the informal supports available that they can do it all. But uh, for so many people out in the community, and I you know, particularly in Western, in in Western, the Western world, where you know our children live interstate or overseas, um, you know, families are so scattered nowadays. Mm. It's not, it's it's not like um, you know a, a an Italian village where everyone looks after each other and they all know each other and they're in and out of each other's houses and and looking after. We've sort of gone so away from that. Um, you know, we hardly even know our neighbours these days. Um, you know, sometimes you might you you might know your neighbour by name and to wave to and to say hi, how are you going? Isn't the weather great? But really, we don't as a society really get to know people outside our our own little group very well. So it is, it, but it is so important that um, people in general are aware of, of services that are available so that if they do come across someone who is struggling in a, in a caring role of any kind, they can say, hey, do you know about this? You know, here's a number, here's, if you need, if you need help at all. Okay, well, on that note, I think you've, you've said about a number. So what numbers do we need and what are the important um, contacts I should put in our, in our blog and that you want to mention now? I've got the carers, um, carersvic.org.au and I think they're also on Facebook. So Yes, 
Carers Victoria are the peak body for carers um, in the state. Carers Australia support carers right around the country. They do a lot of lobbying to government, um, a lot of advocacy for carers, a lot of education um, for carers. So they are a really good, um, a really good service and they have a lot of stuff online that you can access. The Carer Gateway, which is um, part of what we are at Barwon Health Carer Support because we are part of the, the Carer Gateway nationally. Our 1800 number is 1800-422-737. And that'll get someone through to our Melbourne office um, and then they'll get transferred down to us in either the Geelong or the Warrnambool office from there. So what was that number again, Jenny? So 1-800-422-737. Okay. And there's also a website, caregateway.gov.au, which has a lot of useful information for carers on it as well. Look, that's absolutely fabulous. Look, Naomi, thank you very much for organising this again today. And no great, problem at all. <laughs> and it's great meeting you, Jenny. Look, just Thank for you. Colac, things, have, uh, things are going well regionally at the moment. But just a reminder that the, uh, if you do need to get, or if you've got any of the symptoms that we all know about now related to COVID, that the Neighbourhood House in Miller Street's open Monday, Wednesday and Friday from 9.30am to 3pm. And you can book by uh, phoning 0427 three six nine seven two eight i'll put that number up on the blog as well so we've with our chat about music we've got a song to go out with and we've decided on james taylor with you've got a friend and i think that that's what uh, any carer needs to remember is that there is a friend out there somewhere and uh, you guys are the ones that can help out with it once again Absolutely. thanks very much and thank you edwina Thank you, Gregory. And we'll thank uh, the, our little puppy that we're minding has been in good, been well behaved through the course of this. And uh, I think Edwina took a photo of the screen here where, a bit where we, <laughs> we can put a, put a photo up with a, with a blog. But anyway, look, you've been with Greg and Edwina McHenry on Community Connect with Naomi and Jenny. And we've been on OCR FM 98.3 here in Colac and 88.7 FM along the coast. And we've also been streaming live at all the W's, ocrfm.org.au. And we will talk to you again next week. We'll talk again, Eddie. We will. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys, and cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station.